Today on the show, we are talking about how trauma and traumatic experiences can totally derail your physical health and create symptoms and all sorts of problems. And of course, what you can do about it. So let's dive in. Welcome to The Good Goddess Show, a weekly podcast for women who are fed up, are feeling bloated and tired. I'm your host, Kezi Hall, holistic nutritionist and all-around health geek. Let's dive in to the show. Welcome to another episode, and this week we are talking about how trauma and traumatic experiences can massively derail your physical health and what your bloating and autoimmune issues and diagnosis and skin issues, like what that has to do with traumatic experiences. So I'm going to be sharing with you some of my own journey with this. So it's going to be a bit more of a vulnerable podcast. I'm going to be sharing with you some of what I've been going through for the last four years and what that's looked like and really just my experience with this, both from myself and also with my clients. And just so that you can be aware and know how you really are one being and one body and these trauma and traumatic experiences, which I'll explain more about what that means, really can impact and be potentially the root cause of some of those annoying symptoms that just won't disappear. So we're going to really dive into that. So I hope this is helpful and serves you. And in other news, it is autumn here. I am I'm getting very excited about the retreat. I've just been onboarding a bunch of new clients, so there's lots of fun stuff happening here. I've also just enjoyed a rather delicious cup of coffee. I've decided <laughs> that I'm going to ditch coffee, run a coffee experiment like I do with lots of clients, um, because I've drank a lot of coffee since, for me, which is like maybe half a cup a day of caffeinated coffee, which is a lot for my little sensitive liver and body and... <laughs> But since I had um, twins and a toddler, <laughs> after years of not having caffeine, I have had it. And I've actually, it's felt great. But recently I was like, oh, okay, maybe I need to run a coffee experiment. So I'm just delighting in my last few days of coffee before I switch to, I'm going to replace it because I'm a big fan of replacing rather than just ditching. So I'm going to replace it with cacao and matcha um, tea which I don't love, but it's very good for you. So <laughs> I'm going to drink it. So I'm not necessarily going caffeine-free. I'm just going to go um, coffee-free and I'll let you know how that goes. I've just, the main reasons is around my energy to see is, is my energy better and my levels of anxiety. So that's what's happening here. So I, I'm currently in that like, oh, I don't want to do this, but I do want to do this, you know? So don't worry, I get it too. I'm like, I love, and I do love coffee. I'm not saying I'm never going to have coffee ever again. It often actually at this time of year, often at different seasons, different points in the year, like my body tells me it's time to just like hit the reset button. It's time to do a bit more gentle detoxing and just like ramp up my health. And I really felt that even in this last, I follow this, um, the calendar of the moon. And so this last new moon, I was like, right. And really felt the nudge to, um, really just upgrade my health actually because I'm doing some really exciting stuff here with work and um, yeah I, I need the energy and uh, to do that and I just 
yeah, I just want to upgrade. That's sometimes how I think about it. It's not, there's nothing particularly wrong with what I'm doing right now. It's just, could things be better? So just enjoying my final cups of coffee. Um, other than that, I'm just planning exciting things. I know that's very vague, but I have several projects in the pipeline. One's to do this podcast, one's to do with resources, one's to do with the retreat, which I have told you about. So that's keziahall.com forward slash wait for the retreat. Um, and there's a couple of other things that I'm not going to even mention. So there's some fun stuff happening, but this podcast is a really important one. I hope you find it helpful and come and have a conversation with me um, take action on it. Go find a therapist, talk to someone about it. But I really hope this helps you to understand and have some curiosity and some compassion for your body and your life and your history and yourself. Okay. Sending you lots of love and let's get on with the show. So as part of your body is a temple series, we are looking at trauma today and how it affects your physical symptoms and body. And really, I just want to offer you the thought that potentially some trauma is one of your root causes. You know, I talk a lot on the podcast about what's your root cause? Is there SIBO? Is there yeast in the gut? How are you digesting? What's your chemical digestion like? How's your stomach acid? How's your sleep quality and REM sleep? And, you know, all these like cool DT, DT? geeky um, aspects of your biology, which all still stand true. But again, as I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of people on a one-to-one basis, I notice patterns. And I also know this from experience in my own life. Often a good 70 to 80% of my clients, there's some trauma that is part of their root cause. There's some trauma that has created a more dysfunctional nervous system state. There's some trauma that has driven a certain relationship around food. There's a trauma that has created a propensity and an increased risk of autoimmunity and health issues. So it's a really important one to talk about if we're looking at a really holistic approach, a really science-based approach, because this is also really clear in the research as well, which I will explain. And I just kind of want to dive into this, give it its own podcast, because if you're anything like me, then there I've I would have heard this podcast like eight years ago and been like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 but that's totally not me because I I'm not like a war veteran. I, you know, haven't been in a terrible car crash. I had a really privileged and wonderful and pretty stable like family environment you know all of these types of things and I would have just dismissed it so I really want to share this with you and give you the opportunity for you to find where you are on this in this area on this spectrum you know some of you will have had clear trauma shall we say um a horrendous car accident where you nearly died you were abused you saw somebody die in front of you, you, whatever, had an awful miscarriage, like things that are very obviously traumatic. But some of you will have had experiences that your body and your brain has registered as trauma, but your logical adult brain is like, oh no, no, that wasn't that big a deal. I wasn't bullied that much. That my parents divorcing, like it wasn't fun, but it, you know, it worked out for the best. You know, we can dismiss a lot of these things, but your body remembers. And like that book, Your Body Keeps a Score by the doctor, I can't remember, but the book is Body Keeps a Score. It's a great book. It's a bit, it's not an easy read, but it's good. 
Your body remembers. Your body holds all your experiences and emotions. And if you have lots of ongoing symptoms, if your health is a bit of like a weird mystery that you're like, I don't really know what's going on here, then trauma potentially could be at the root of it. And I just want to offer that to you as an option so that you can really look into that because this isn't just for veterans. Trauma really is about isn't sorry isn't about the actual experience of like a bomb or abuse or being raped like the circumstances necessarily it's how you and your brain experience and then process an event or circumstance so what we often do in our logical analytical brain is we'd be like well obviously this abuse circumstantially is very violating and traumatic but this situation doesn't seem that bad. It happens to lots of people. There's worse things in the world. Therefore, it is not. And so it's not, from my understanding, and, you know, disclaimer here, I'm not a psychotherapist or psychologist or trauma um, expert. That's not my primary field of training. I just see it in my work. So I want to share my thoughts on it. But, you know, I'm always learning about this. And one day I'll probably train as a psychotherapist. But, you know, I'll wait till my children sleep. (laughs) bit more first. Anyway, so it's not about the actual thing, like obviously obviously it is in a way, but how is how you experience it and as from my understanding, what your brain does with it. How does it organize, process, and almost like how does it file away this experience that you've had? And that actually is more that can so you can have an experience that logically you can look at. So I was bullied as a child, and that was actually a deeply traumatic experience for me. But logically, if I look at the actual circumstances, I wasn't beaten up. People weren't even that mean to me. People have been far worse bullied. It like it as an adult, I know what ha- happened to me wasn't quote unquote that bad. It was just kind of like normal playground bullying, being left out, not included, these kind of things. But how I experienced that as a deeply sensitive, feeling and empathetic person, how I experienced that was deeply traumatic to my soul, to my brain. The actual event wasn't really. I was left out. I wasn't included. I was called some names. Not None of that is fun. But what that, how I organized and experienced that emotion that is what makes that traumatic. Does that make sense? So often it's it's not a, we think, well, you deserve to say the word you have trauma because this, and obviously there's different levels. This is a spectrum. So someone who maybe is a war veteran that has seen all of their team blown into pieces and done several rounds, rounds, what do you call it? Anyway, tours, that's the word. It, you know, the, there's going to be a more complex, deep trauma than say my bullying so it's going to be, it's going to affect the brain, the actual state and physicality of the brain differently because there's layers to this, but it's still trauma, if that makes sense, from my understanding. And I'm always open to learning. So it's, it's, we're very harsh and this, and I, and therefore we're not very open to this topic, a lot of us, because we're like, oh no, 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 the divorce, every, lots of people get divorced. It wasn't that bad or, oh no, it's not too bad. It, like finding out so-and-so had, uh, was cheating on me. Like it happens to people. I didn't enjoy it, but it wasn't that bad. And for some of you that it might not have been that bad, you know, it might not have been a traumatic thing, but for others of you, it, it's not really about the thing. It's about what you do with it, what your brain does with it. 
Does that make sense? I hope it does. So, and this comes up all the time with my clients, like I said, and with myself. So why is this important? What has this got to do with your gut health and energy and not being bloated and feeling great? It actually has everything to do with it. So undealt with trauma, this kind of like, I always think about it like trauma is disorganization in the brain. This might be you know, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know I work in metaphors and visual imagery. So this isn't a scientifically accurate description, but this helps me to understand being the visual artist that I am. The it's it's almost like so in the in your day to day, you have experiences, you go to sleep, and when you're in REM sleep, your little brain files away like this happened, this happened, and you get your memories and stuff files away, nice and tidy for the next day. A bit like before you go to bed, I like to make sure the kitchen's nice and tidy for the chaos that's about to start in the morning. It's kind of like your brain almost does a similar thing. But with trauma, it's like mess that's left. It's like a drawer, like, oh, that, this file doesn't fit in there and, 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 and it doesn't fit in there. And it, uh, I, I don't know where. It just, oh, it's just mess that's there all the time. And what this can do is really impact your, well, your sleep quality, which we'll talk about in a bit, but it can have a massive impact on your health and on your nervous system. So in research, this often comes up, it often doesn't get talked about as trauma from my understanding. And again, I've not read all the research available on this by any means, but it often looks at, um, comes up as ACEs, which I talked about in previous podcasts, adverse childhood events. And the, the, when, and specifically this is looking at childhood, but obviously trauma can happen throughout your life, but especially in childhood, when there is ACEs that come up in someone's life, there really is a much higher risk of future disease and autoimmunity and gut issues and all of these kinds of things. So it is really important when it comes to like your bloating or your gut issues or your chronic fatigue. And it's not necessarily, you know, if you come to me and you tell me you've had IBS for 30 years, I'm going to be like, oh, there must be some terrible trauma going on. But it is, you, it's worth thinking about and thinking how much does this affect because the reason why it matters is if you if your nervous system and your body is has a traumatic me- memory and experience and there's that messiness that filing cabinet mess that's going on what you constantly have going into your hypothalamus in the brain is like a stress and threat signal even if the trauma happened 20 years ago so we haven't 20 years ago, but because the actual experience hasn't been filed away properly, it's almost like there's a part of your brain that can think it's still happening. And so then your body responds accordingly, which what's your body going to do in if it thinks it's in a traumatic experience? It's going to get you into fight, flight, freeze, and fawn mode. It's going to get you to be in chronic stress state. It's going to focus all of your energy in survival. So what does that mean for your biology? It means you won't digest food well. It means your immune system will eventually decrease. It means you won't have good sleep quality because you'll be hypervigilant because of obviously, you know, if you think you're in a traumatic and dangerous situation, you're not going to sleep well. You're not going to recover well. Your body is primarily going to be focused on survival because internally, unknowingly, and almost unconsciously, you have this constant message, this constant mess of trauma that is communicating to your nervous system, to your brain, we are not safe. We are not 
okay, there's something that's happening. We need to stay alert. We need to stay vigilant. We need to have lots of glucose in the blood, adrenaline, cortisol. Don't bother with digesting food properly. Don't bother with supporting the immune system. Don't bother with skin repair. Don't bother with deep quality sleep because that's dangerous because you don't want to sleep too deeply because what if this threat is coming? Don't bother with hair growth or supporting the thyroid. Like, no, we are focused on survival. Which in the act in an actual moment of trauma, meaning say I am in a car crash with my kids, that is the response I want. I don't want to be my body being faffed around digesting lunch. I want my adrenaline to be on so I can get me and my kids safe in the actual moment. But the problem is, is sometimes our biology is stuck in that moment 20 years later. So you're having that same kind of chronic stress response to an experience that logically, you know, is not a big deal, air quotes, because it happened 20 years ago, but it's not been filed. It's not been processed properly in your system. So there's a part of your brain that is always wondering, am I back? I think I'm back there. I'm back there. Okay. Defend. I'm back there. Freeze. I'm back there. Fight. I'm fat. I'm back there. Fawn. I'm back there. Flee. And there's that hypervigilance and it will, you'll see your health and your symptoms just keep declining. Just keep eating away because your body isn't designed to be in constant survival mode. It isn't. You meant If you look at animals and other mammals, they will be in their chronic survival state running away. You see deers running away from a lion and they either get killed by the lion. So there you go. <laughs> That's the end of that. Or they get away and then often they might fall on the ground, they might fall asleep, they might shake, they ha- will ha- they'll, they'll kind of do something to switch and process this from this state. But as adults and as humans, often we're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. No, no, other people have been through far worse, have had far worse experiences. Like I, I wasn't abused that much or I wasn't, you know, I wasn't actually raped. I just nearly was raped or, I, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad a divorce. I just, you know, cried constantly for three months. Oh, it wasn't that awful a childbirth. I just thought I was dying the entire time. It wasn't that awful, uh, whatever. You know, I wasn't that bullied at school. Like I didn't get beaten up and sent to hospital. That is, that is, that is a part of my brain. You know, I know that some of the bullying is part of my trauma and there's part of me that's like, because you were never like beaten up in a hospital or like stones thrown at your window or uh, there was no social media back then. So there's a whole other layer of bullying I think that can go on now online. Like I never had any of that. So there's part of me that's like, oh, Kezia, yeah, just (laughs) whatever. But your body remembers. And so much of the time, this is a bit of a root cause. So in my own story, if I share a little bit of, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to share more about mine and then I'll share a little bit about clients as well, just so you can see how this works out. So in my own health, and if you don't know my story, you can go to keziehall.com and the about page, I share a little bit more about all the ins and outs, which I'm not going to go through here, but a lot of my symptoms and lab results always came back telling me that I was really stressed, that my body was just not okay, that it was just like struggling and stress, like high cortisol, high, like not digesting food, like all just pointed to like, I'm really stressed about something, but I felt okay. Like I, if you know me in real life, you wouldn't be like, whoa, Kezia, what a stress head. (laughs) 
Like I actually have a really good capacity. I stay very calm in difficult situations. I've done a lot of care work and work with drug addicts and people with mental health issues where, you know, whatever things come up. I actually um, do really well in a crisis. I'm quite level-headed. I don't, I'm not like a total stress person on the outside anyway. I think it's probably just all internalized, but that's a whole other topic. So, but I felt like there was something missing. Like I was, I'd made progress with my health, but I was like this, I still feel tired. I still feel anxious. I still feel like it's really difficult for me to get into sympathetic nervous state, sorry, into a parasympathetic nervous state. I was like, I just feel constantly stressed and there's no real reason and life is really good. And I have lots of tools in place to manage my anxiety and to manage my life. I have a job that I've designed that's crafted for me. I I meditate, I spend time outside. I have good relationships with people. I eat really well. I take my supplements. I've worked on my gut health and all of this good stuff. And that all has helped, but it felt like there was a missing link. And I knew that I'd had some trauma or as I was starting to realize, okay, maybe this bullying thing was more traumatic than I thought because the memories of that time felt very real and visceral. Like I could just think about a memory of being bullied and I would be like in pieces and crying and all over the place. There was obviously some undealt with feelings there. And I was also aware that I got very panicked. I got very scared at night, especially. I always planned ahead for being attacked or robbed or assaulted in some way. I always had like a plan of like, so if my house catches on fire, we'll do this and this and this. There was, I would always keep something near my bed in case someone came in in the night. Like, I don't know. I mean, all my weapons were totally useless, like a curling iron or didn't even have like a cricket bat or something. But if I had a cricket bat, I should have probably bought one. But there was this, very much, but that was, that was all my normal. And I felt like a general low level anxiety all the time and very much the need to keep everybody happy. Any sort of confrontation was really stressful for really stressful. I wanted everybody to be happy and in, in harmony. I didn't want to cause a problem. I didn't want to cause a bother. If someone at a restaurant would give me the wrong meal, I didn't want to say, by the way, this isn't what I've ordered. If some like if someone made me a coffee that wasn't the coffee that I wanted, it would be almost like too much to go. It felt like too much confrontation to go and be like, hey, this isn't the right thing. And I guess some of that is probably personality, but a lot of that was really trying to keep people happy. So I just want to pause here. So when we think about our nervous system, we tend to think of fight and flight mode. Okay. And if you haven't um, listened to the previous podcast about the nervous system, do listen to that. But actually our, our fight and flight, it's actually fight, flight, freeze and also fawn is coming up in the research now as your chronic stress survival response. So fight is obvious. It's when you're in a situation, you just want to fight to get out. That can be a stress response. Very logical. The other one is to flight. So to just run, you face something difficult and you run. And that's partly why your body puts lots of glucose and adrenaline and things into your system when you're chronically stressed so that you can, so you can run and be like, wow, you know, that was the fastest I've ever run. Um, there's freeze where you almost just like play dead. You just kind of freeze and it's almost like your body protects itself. Like you disconnect from your body and you just focus on protecting. This is my interpretation of it. Anyway, this isn't the interpretation. Um, you just focus on protecting like your core self, your soul and your brain. And you actually disengage from your body and your body just stays frozen as just a way to protect a part of you that's 
deeper than your body, if that makes sense. That's my experience of it because I have my main stress responses are freeze and also fawn. I don't fight, I don't flee. Those are not, I really wish I did because those sound cooler. You know, it's like, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna come and get me. I'm gonna punch you in the face. No. And also a lot of my um, experiences was as a child. So often as a child, you're not gonna fight and you often maybe try to flee, but you know, you are, that's not always an option. So there's freeze response, which is one of my key responses and fawn, which is a more newer term that we're still learning about. And this is really the need to keep everyone happy, to comply and really mold into what you think everybody wants you to be so that you can not cause a problem. So instead of, um, say you have a parent that is um, difficult and maybe quite abusive, you just spend your time not really being your true self, being whatever you think they need you to be because it's like that fawning response. I'm going to be whatever you need in order to protect myself, in order to look after myself. I'm going to be what you expect. I'm going to spend my time thinking about how do you want me to be, behave, look like, because then I will be safe. And I can't handle any more conflict or any more trauma. So I'm just going to fit in. I'm just going to comply. I'm just going to be quiet. I'm just going to not actually be myself and learn what that is. I'm going to be what you think I should be because that feels safe. And that's from my understanding. Again, I'm still constantly learning about that. It's that form response. So just to kind of put that in there, it's not just because you might be like, oh, no, 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 Kezia, no, I haven't experienced this because I don't fight and flee. I don't have those responses. I think probably as an adult now I would if someone came and was starting bullying my kid, I'm going to fight with them. But as a child or even 10 years ago, I wouldn't have had that as a response. I would have frozen. I would have been unable to speak. I would have disconnected totally from my body, been really disintegrated, you know, from my physical self. And I would have just tried to keep everybody happy. Can anyone relate? I'm sure you can. So to cut a long story short in terms of my own journey and to keep things brief. And also I don't want to, I'm not planning on going into any details here because it's not necessarily needed or helpful but it was after the birth of my son that I started to have more nightmares so I've always had nightmares and these kind of things but I started to have more nightmares after he was born which at first I was like oh it might just be like from the drugs or whatever but they became more persistent and then those nightmares became flashbacks so when I was awake during the day I'd suddenly get these like like flashback times and be like oh that was odd like that's an odd horrible (laughs) thing to be thinking about and slowly and slowly I started to remember certain events from my childhood and over the past four years that's been a constant process of remembering more and more details and having to integrate and accept and believe myself essentially um, of these memories so every there's no there's nothing linear about it but I keep on even now remember more and more details of basically what was repeated abuse as a child for about over a year within my own home although it wasn't by a family member just to be really clear about that so I saw an out with the home and I have had to a believe myself and then learn how to kind of remember and re-experience these memories and situations and then learn to integrate them. So that's been a little bit of my own journey and process with this and it's still something I'm very much in. It still feels, 
I wasn't even sure if I should record a podcast or share this here because um, despite all the content I make, I'm actually a very private person. Like I don't, I don't particularly <laughs> shout about all, I shout about certain stuff here on the podcast about like poop and farts and things, but some other stuff in my life, I, I it's just not, it's not what I feel comfortable doing. But so that's been a really um, challenging but also liberating few years. I've just been like, oh, so much stuff makes sense now. So much stuff. So prior, but really for over 20 years, my nervous system has kept this period of my life, like total amnesia of, of it. Like I had no, no idea, no conscious memory at all. And then all of a sudden when the time was right, I started to remember and integrate and had to process and flow through these feelings because my eight-year-old self couldn't handle this and so I just detached from it blocked it from my consciousness in order to protect it and through lots of help and lots of therapy and lots of self-trust and compassion I've actually been able to find that part of myself again that like eight-year-old traumatized part and learn to be in relationship with that part I did a lot of what's it called? Family, family systems therapy. So I did that for about a year. I've also done some EMDR, also done various different types of stuff and we'll continue, continue to do, do that, which has been so helpful, but it really, it was really awful to acknowledge that and really accept. And it took a lot of work just to accept it, to be honest, just to be like, this was, this happened and this was traumatic. So I was just a bit like, oh, there's a part of me, even though it's like, oh, Kezia, it was like 20 plus years ago get a grip. You know, I have that very harsh future oriented part to myself. So I really had to um, first just believe myself and accept it and then integrate it. But when I did that, it also made so much sense. I was like, okay. I was always the sickly one in my family, the anxious one, struggled really early on with gut issues, body issues, anxiety, mental health, nightmares, all of these things. I was like, oh, <laughs> this now is actually makes a lot of sense. And so that's kind of been the process I've been on and why um, I wanted to kind of share it here. Some of the things that have been helpful for me and why I actually talk a lot with my clients about supporting your nervous system, whether you've had trauma like mine or whether you've not. Supporting your nervous system is really, really crucial in order for you to be well. In order for you to be a well woman, your body cannot stay in survival mode. It just, you won't live the life you want to live and feel the way you want to feel if your brain and your body is constantly surviving. And you might be like, I feel like I'm in survival mode, but circumstantially, I there's no reason to then that's kind of what this series is for. That's why I'm running the retreat to really actually add this other piece of, okay, what are some of the tools and practices that we can do to support our nervous system for the last, because for the last four years, this has been a massive focus of mine of like, okay, how do I support my nervous system? How do I, from a place of compassion and kindness, how do I really, um, allow myself to rest and to be and to not necessarily do and to not to how do I get myself out of survival mode 
because I've spent most of my life surviving, not realizing it, but always vigilant, always aware, always like, so my sleep quality was poor, my gut health was poor, there was anxiety, there was hormone issues, because you're not meant to live in survival mode, or said another way, you're not meant to live everyday life like you're running 60 miles an hour away from a lion. You like, like you don't see animals doing, they literally can't do that. Eventually, if they're running away from something, they'll tire, they'll just get eaten. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's, anyway, the, it's on a whole other tangent, but we can't be in survival mode. And sometimes this is a, a missing link for a lot of people. It has been for me. And it doesn't, um, it doesn't, what's the word, cancel out the other stuff. Yes, I had SIBO. There was also parasites. I had heavy metal infections. There was some thyroid issues. My sleep quality was poor, like the very practical stuff. And that's why I made some and a good chunk of progress before even realizing this. But it was, it is one of the root causes for sure, because it kind of, it's, especially if things happen in, as a young person, like a, in your childhood years, it becomes your blueprint for everyday life. So my blueprint for everyday life was a freeze and fawn response. So I'm, and I'm still working on this. My, what I'm working on is actually, okay, like how do I live? What is how do I change my default and my blueprint in the day-to-day life? Where am I making choices from a fawn response? Where am I making choices from a freeze or a fleeing or a fighting response? And how do I really get myself into that parasympathetic nervous state? Not all the time. The expectation is never that you're just there 24-7. But how do it like that pendulum, like I talked about in the previous episode, how do I get that pendulum swinging more healthily? So some thoughts. Um, your one body and being and your brain isn't like there's parts of your consciousness and unconscious that aren't linear and pay, pay no attention to time so your brain doesn't know something happened 10 years ago it could still be living in that experience even though you're you as an adult you're another aspect of your logic can know it was 20 years ago there is that aspect there isn't a timeline for trauma of like, which often a lot of us, I'm very much like that. I'm a bit like, oh, this happened so long ago. Get a grip, Kezia. You know, there's that very harsh part of us, or maybe it's just me, but that is honestly how my brain works. But there's no timeline. It doesn't know something happened when you were five. It doesn't know something happened when you were 20 and you're now 50. It doesn't necessarily know that because if it hasn't been digested or filed away properly, it can still be in there. And also when things happen when you're younger, you can create, that can become your default. And that can mean as an adult, you could be struggling with all sorts of physical symptoms and potentially actually something that happened 20 years ago could be one of the root of it. And it's also worth saying, so I mentioned two traumatic things, being abused and then also being bullied. So it's worth saying that the bullying that I remember has felt just as traumatic and upsetting as the abuse even though on paper the bullying really wasn't that bad and wasn't that big a deal but for me and my mind they both registered as deeply traumatic maybe one slightly more than the other because I basically had amnesia about it for about 20 years so that was maybe more complex you know you do get complex PTSD going on but both of them were traumatic to my brain in the work that I've done with therapists so your logical adult brain 
doesn't get to judge what was or wasn't a traumatic or hard experience for you. It's your body, your symptoms and your emotions and sometimes your lab results (laughs) that will tell you. You don't get to decide logically. Oh, that was that that wasn't hard. No, no, no. That wasn't hard. No, deal with it. No, your body, your emotions, your symptoms, your lab data, your diagnoses potentially will tell you. And I'm not saying every single diagnosis and every symptom you have is down to trauma. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying this is a potential missing link for some of you. And I see this with kind of clients all the time. So what do we do about it? Well, the first thing you can do is get like assessed by somebody trained who knows the mind and trauma really well. So I've worked with psychotherapists primarily. I've had clients work with um, trained psychologists. You want someone who's really well trained and accredited and has a really good understanding of trauma. I really like the different forms of psychotherapy and family, internal family systems, I think it's called. Um, but there's lots of approaches out there and lots of different things, but you can go and be assessed and see. Also, if you're aware of something traumatic, you might be able to chat to your GP and see if there's support groups and those kind of things, because that can be really, really helpful. Next thing you can do is to be compassionate and curious. Don't just dismiss things because it's quote unquote, not a big deal. Um, also don't push it. Your body, I really think will let you know when you're ready to deal with something. So I obviously wasn't ready for like 20 years. And also I think having my own child and seeing a basically a mini version of myself every day when I had my son was a real trigger for my nervous system of like, oh, okay, there's some internal disintegration that needs to, to be repaired. Um, and then other, so those are some things to, to be aware about. Therapy can be really, really helpful. But sometimes actually I find with clients, they actually need to do a bit like me. I actually did a lot of practical biology work, if that makes sense. So because my, I think back, you know, 10 years ago, my energy and my brain and all these kind of things wouldn't have been in a good enough state to get the most out of therapy. So I really worked on my gut, my energy, my pain levels, these kind of things. And actually I see that sometimes with clients, it's a better way around because doing these therapies can be quite uh, it's, it's a big thing. You need the energy and the the oomph, the, the physical health sometimes to actually be able to cope with some of this trauma work. So I really feel like the way that it worked out for me was perfect for me and my body and that I actually wouldn't have been able to do some of these trauma therapies that I have been doing and these practices that support that when I'm exhausted. Like I had to just get like some of the basics down, like digesting my food, pooping normally, sleeping properly, being able to open a door and not have joint issues and then kind of take it deeper. So it's not always, you know, everyone needs to do therapy now, but it can be really helpful to just chat things through with people sometimes. This is also lots of books and things. I actually haven't read a lot of books on it just because I felt like for me that wouldn't be helpful. I can be a bit of a let's research everything until, you know, I actually needed to give myself permission to believe myself without all the research and to really just feel my feelings rather than um, my default trauma response is actually thinking and analysis sometimes. And there's some real strengths to that, but there is, you can bypass how you feel through analysis, thinking, questioning, and research. So for me, I actually haven't done a lot on that. I have primarily focused on believing myself and feeling my feelings and regulating my nervous system. Those, that's been my main focus. 
So what can we do about it? There's those things I just mentioned. Also really thinking about daily, weekly, regular practices to support your nervous system. Like I talked about in the last episode. So the last four years, I've been diving deep into somatic practices, shaking, moving, dancing. I've got a punch bag, feeling angry, feeling sad, really feeling my feelings. And I'm going to do a whole podcast on that itself because it's really important. Also meditation, breath work, doing things that I know that I know from research and just from practice that really helps support my nervous system. Cold water therapy. I've worked on sleeping better, on doing meditation, yoga, nidra, um, really making sure every day, is my pendulum swinging? Have I spent all day stuck in chronic sympathetic state? Have How many moments of, I sometimes call it moments of calm with my clients, how many moments of calm? Because it's not about spending two hours in a really calm and blissful state always. It's about having moments of calm, little just check in, calm, and then you get back. Because, you know, I have three kids under three. Well, actually, one's just turned four. But I had twin newborns and a two-year-old. Like, I was I was not spending, I've not been able to spend my days in just all calm. I have three people screaming at me a lot of the time. And emotional, physical needs. But I have really prioritized, okay, okay, today, how am I just checking in? How am I getting into my parasympathetic nervous state? How am I supporting my nervous system? Or like I talked about in the previous episode, what am I doing to train that muscle of my parasympathetic nervous state so that I don't just have a really overdeveloped stress response and a really underdeveloped rest and digest response? I think of those two things as a muscles. And over the last four years, I've been really focused practically on the tools and practices that help to build that muscle so that my pendulum can swing more easily and then I don't as I don't stay as stuck in that parasympathetic in that sympathetic nervous state and I've made loads of progress it's much I switch much quicker now into that chilled state I can just take a couple of deep breaths take a moment and I know that I've flipped that switch I know that pendulum has swung but that was not the case <laughs> to begin with my little monkey mind and, it, and it's still it's still not an area of strength for me. It's still something I'm working on. And but I do see it making such a big difference. Um, and that's kind of why I want to do the retreat. I really want to bring together these other really practical biological gut microbiome, hormone, eating, nutritional practices, and these more sacred nervous system practices because that's what I see making the biggest difference with people. So do come to the retreat if. Um, if you know, oh, I need some help switching my nervous system, where, wherever you're at, um, whatever your experience is, so many of us, this isn't about a hierarchy of like, well, I've had more worse experiences than you have, so my life is harder. No, 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 not at all. This is really about all of us having healthy nervous system response and having compassion for ourselves, believing ourselves so that our biology can really thrive. And when our biology thrives, we thrive because we are our biology. We are ourselves. Your emotions are the result of what is happening in your biology and what is happening in your brain. So as we nourish the brain, as we nourish your body, you get to be and feel the way you want to feel and live the life that you want to live. And staying stuck in a, a stress response is not is is gonna not gonna give you the life you want to live. And there's but it's not gonna that pendulum isn't gonna move 
just randomly, especially when you've been dealing with things for years and years, and this has been going on under the surface, you have to have an intervention, (laughs) a gentle, beautiful, kind intervention. You have to have practices and tools because this this pendulum isn't, you're not just suddenly going to become chronically unstressed. You know, you're not suddenly just going to be like, oh, I'm not stressed anymore. And you know, in our head, it's like, oh, when the kids get older, when this money comes, or when this job changes, then, but you know, that doesn't happen. You just get as stressed about something else because it's not about the circumstances. It's about the state of your brain. And none of us were taught. I was not taught. And I had experiences that made it even harder, how to support my brain, how to support my nervous system. That's why I do the work I do with clients. That's why I'm running the retreat is because we need to learn this stuff. How, like having a healthy brain, so important. Okay, I could rant on for ages, but this is enough. I'd love for you to join me in the retreat. I will be releasing, I think, details this week. So make sure you follow me on Instagram. I am Kezia Hall or you are on the wait list, keziahall.com forward slash wait. If you know you need, want longer term support with this, then that's my four month program would be better for that. So you can find out more about that at keziahall.com forward slash book and book in a call. Um, and if, if in doubt, just message me and we'll figure out what's the best option for you. But thank you for listening to this. I hope this has been helpful and I'll speak to you next week. Lots of love. Bye. And as a reminder, book in your clarity call at keziahall.com forward slash book. This is your free personalized call with me where we can dive into some of your root causes, figure out what's going on. We can chat about working together and payment plans. But the really goal, the goal is really that you leave with clarity on your next steps. So keziahall.com forward slash book. Thank you for being here. Otherwise, I will see you next week.